Welcome to BitFaced. We've been doing a lot of themed episodes lately. We haven't touched on on horror movies. We haven't touched on movies in general. But tonight, what we're going to touch on is the self-proclaimed pop culture Cuisinart. I've been listening to him my entire life. In fact, way back in fifth grade, we would set up a tent in my backyard with my little Fisher-Price tape recorder. And Doug and I would lay out at night, camp out, and listen to Weird Al in the backyard. And that's what we're talking about tonight on BitFace. This episode is completely dedicated to Weird Al. With me tonight, uh, not on the show enough anymore, but she is here today, so we have to give her credit for that. <laughs> uh, Rebecca, of course, yep. B-Rex. And I would not do a Weird Al episode without Carl Brevik here to talk about it. I've talked to him on mic and off mic before about Weird Al and I know he has the same, if not even a greater level of fandom for the man uh, that I do. So, yeah, tonight's all about Weird Al. We don't really have an agenda. We're going to tell some personal stories. We're going to talk about our favorite albums, maybe a little Weird Al trivia. I, I don't think I can stump Carl, but... Uh, we'll try it. Because yeah, there's If anyone could, it's going to be you. Well, I, I kind of cheated today, and I, uh, I watched the Behind the Music as soon as I got off work when I was uh, cleaning up around the house. And I looked up some facts about Weird Al, but I didn't. I didn't dig too deep today because I really wanted to be about what we think about the yeah. artist. And Rebecca, I'm really curious to where you come from and all this, only because of the age difference. <laughs> be- because I was I was listening to Weird Al in, I guess my first memory is like 1982 or 1981 when I was four or five. So and my parents hadn't met yet at that point. <laughs> right. So like, where, where do you come into it? Where do you come into Weird Al? What album do you start with? Like Poodle Hat? Oh, my goodness. I don't even know. So full disclaimer right now, I actually don't know a ton about Weird Al. Um, me weaseling into this podcast was absolutely just an excuse to spend time with you, too. So um, I remember like watching his music videos after school when I was in grade school um like white and nerdy I think that's the the earliest one that I remember so white and nerdy is straight out of Linwood correct yeah, straight out of Linwood which is my favorite of the new albums if we're talking like running with scissors newer and newer okay it would be my pick not to jump that shark too soon but yeah straight out of Linwood really good stuff that's but that was still like internet videos was becoming a thing like I remember the first video I saw on TV was The Saga Begins. And it was on the Disney Channel. And I remember I lost my mind because I'd been listening to Weird Al already, but like not a lot of people were doing it still at that time. And all of a sudden, here he was, almost after every Disney Channel movie, you could count on the fact Weird Al would pop up with The Saga Begins. And I think that's part of the appeal of Al is the fact he has worked as long as he has, and he's relatively clean. Mm-hmm. He, you would call Weird Al family friendly. Mm-hmm. Family friendly in a lot of circles means lame. He transcends the shit out of that. He's intelligent. His humor remains intelligent. He doesn't treat family friendly as having to dumb jokes down. He just is funny without having to rely on the crutches of shock or vulgar, vulgarity, really. And that's what I love about it because you could, like, you see a lot of uh, rookie parody artists out there, and they'll rely on curse words to just be like the, we don't know what else to say and we need to fill a syllable. Like I love, what is it? Uh, Ninja sex bomb. 
They'll do a lot, but every once in a while, like they needed an extra syllable, and they just chose a four-letter expletive to fill that syllable because they're like, ah, it'll be funny, and they're great. I love them, but they're not Weird Al. Weird Al never did that. He was never like, I'm never going to fill. This needs it needs to be funny. You know, I found it hard today thinking who to even compare mm. to Weird Al, and I don't know a lot of modern parody artists. I certainly don't own albums by other parody artists. I really don't know any other. I mean, besides the people before Weird Al like Alan Sherman and right. things like that, people like Weird Al that exist, I think he's made it to where, why would you even try to stand in his footsteps? I mean, maybe after Weird Al's dead, <laughs> someone can come along and, and, and... The world needs a Weird Al. That has to happen. Yeah, I, I think so, too. Like if I could sacrifice years, sacrifice years of my life to extend Weird Al's life, that would be a deal I'd be signing on right now. I'd be like, here's three years from me. Let's all donate to Weird Al. <laughs> yeah, I'll pitch in a couple years. <laughs> Al even joked that uh, one of the things he thought after he saw himself on The Simpsons was, I achieved immortality. I'm, I will be forever. I will be forever there. Even after I die, I, I will be on The Simpsons. I don't, I don't think you can – I don't even think you can pretend to stand in his shadow. Right. Well, he's incomparable to music. Was, I was watching I Love the 80s, and they were talking about Weird Al. And Hal Sparks made the best point to me ever. He was like, Weird Al is the greatest musician of all time. And the argument for that is – Here's what everyone else does, and it's at a certain level. Weird Al meets that and then supersedes it by making it funny. He can do what anyone else does and then adds funny, making him the greatest musician of all time. And that's where, like, it's not even just parody artists. There's not really anyone I compare to what Weird Al does. I don't think so either. And it it was kind of sad. I know he's still going to be making music, but when he announced, I guess, his last album was Mm -hmm. his last what would you say, studio album? Well, he had that massive contract. It was what, 13 albums or 11 albums? And he was, that was. near to indentured servitude as far as creativity went. Yeah, because if you look back to when he probably signed that contract, I'm sure it's been amended over the years, Mm -hmm. but he has done way more for that music company. I think Originally, he was with Scotty Brothers. Was that who carried his contract all the way through? I don't remember. I don't think so. I think they got absorbed into a bigger one. Into a bigger label. Um, And I'm 80% sure I don't know what the name is, but I would say yes, they got absorbed into a bigger one. But that was it. When he he got that deal, he was living out of like a one-bed apartment with nothing and so he's like yes this sounds great and there's that wonderful comfort of well if one album bombs it doesn't matter i have nine more to make after that <laughs> uh not that he ever approached it like that but there's that comfort level but all of a sudden you're eight seven six albums in and you're like i'm on a schedule i have to i don't get to do what i want because especially as music became more readily available you had mp3s he always said that it was rough to wait a year and a half to get an album produced when he would rather just release an mp3 while it was topical and freshest he's always embraced technology when you look back to i mean let's be honest al would not be where he is if it wasn't for mtv Mm -mm. hands down no because that's the thing he stylistically not only parodies songs he's parodies music videos full styles let alone shot for shot sometimes but yeah seeing him bring these things to life and seeing his performance and seeing that this Weird Al guy is as weird as the song makes him and some was amazing. Yeah, and I love how he did it. I think White and Nerdy, he said he had a week and a half turnaround time from the time the song, not really released, but from when he got to hear it. Because White and Nerdy and uh, is it Riding by Shemillionaire? Yes. Were on the charts at the same time. Yes. He wasn't able to do that in the 1980s. Nope. He, he would have to uh, go through a, a lot of process recording. Now it seems he can, you know, I'm, I'm sure he has a studio in his house. I, I don't know for a fact, but uh, he can turn around really quick. I think that's what we're going to see from him. Yeah, no, well, that North Korea polka came out. <laughs> yeah. And that was, 
everything to me because there was that period where you saw this man who was like, I get a break. I get to take a little break. And I was like, that's lovely, but we the world needs Weird Al now more than ever. And then the North Korea polka came out and I was like, that's exactly it. Not only does he, is it just will he record it in his basement? He can go on to the average talk show and they'll bend over backward and trip over themselves to have him debut something on their show. And he has a teenage daughter now, correct? So I imagine yep. that part of the retirement is not only, hey guys, I've I've, I've kind of dominated this for, for right. 25 plus years now. I really don't have anything left to prove. To hey, you know, I want to be home with my wife and daughter. I mean, he was he was single, I think, until he was 42 or 43, yep. maybe. Uh, and his wife is lovely. I don't know if you've ever seen an interview oh, with yeah. her. She's amazing. They're great together. But no, I'm definitely like, even though I worship at the ground Weird Al walks, I'm like, good job, Weird Al. Well done. <laughs> yeah, and she said even, um, and I guess we can talk about this, he had, mad tragedy strike him his parents both died in their home mm. on the same day weird al went out an hour later and performed mm-hmm. oh, did not wow. cancel a show on that entire wow. tour and the reason he said was i had to have that i had to have that to escape because he said the rest of my day sucked yeah, yeah. so it was a uh, hearing that i mean it couldn't happen to a nicer guy you and i have both met him and, mm-hmm. and Granted, I'm sure he's just super nice to his fans. In fact, he mentions that he loves his uh, he loves his fans, and you can tell that yeah. when you but interact. But it's genuine. With it's not you're paying my checks and thanks for that. It's the there's genuine energy to those interactions. But I remember when that announcement came out. I was subscribed to the Weird Al newsletter, and I was part of his fan club. And I had the VHS tape of his live performance where his parents introduce him. Right, our boy Alfie. And so like I like I'd watch that video once a week. And then all of a sudden I was on and the newsletter came out and he had this personal statement. And I remember sitting on an old compact 95 and I read it out loud and just started crying. And it was the first time I cried for not only someone I hadn't met, but like the extended family or the family of a celebrity. It wasn't even like, oh, no, a celebrity has died. And now I'm sad hearing his statement on that. And it really got me. But what inspired me so much was how he handled it is it wasn't like he didn't let it beat him down. No, I mean he was outperforming, and I think his parents, when you when he talks about them now and the things that, that used to go on in the house and how repressing they were to him, not in a bad way, but like his mom would go through magazines and any like bra shots or anything she would black <laughs> through them. Um, when you when you see interviews with his parents, they seem like the nicest like cover of the cereal box people in the entire world. But his friends also say they were very repressing. Very, I mean, he skipped second grade. They were very much like you know get out there and study. I mean, they bought the kid an accordion. That's yeah. the that's what I always tell people. It's like he tells a very funny version of that story too. He's like, imagine being middle school, moving on to high school age, hoping to impress some girls with your instrumental lessons, and your parents tell you you're learning the accordion. <laughs> this is this is your future. You're learning this. And just a coincidence, too, that one of the most famous accordion players also is named Yankovic, and they ended up playing together yeah. later on each other's uh, each other's albums. I can't remember the out track, but it's it's a more recent one. It's I think it's the polka on the most recent album. Yep, yep, on a uh, man- mandatory fun. No, Al- yeah, mandatory fun. Mandatory yeah. fun. Uh, yeah, no, that 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 is it. And I remember for the longest time I thought they were related, and that was like one of the fun facts. Like, no relation. I was like, no kidding. Two accordion wielding polka masters named Yankovic, huh? But I, I think that his yeah his parents definitely shaped him. His high school upbringing mm-hmm. definitely shaped him, and he really he kind of wanted to do this in college. He had his own show on the college radio station. I think it was called the Weird Al Show, mm-hmm. and he would try to sneak in not his own parodies, but older parodies at, at times in between. What he called uh, he said all they wanted to listen to was New Wave, which I thought was hilarious. Um, <laughs> can you imagine Weird Al at a New Wave radio station? <laughs> um, 
And he also, back in those days, I think it was in high school, he started, uh, he wanted to get in the high school yearbook and he started the Volcano Worshippers Club, which later turns into kind of a throwaway joke in UHF, Volcano yes. Worshippers Hour. That's one piece of trivia I learned today. I was like, okay, there's something about Weird Al I didn't is. know. That's very, uh, very interesting. And his career, too, you'd have to say it's had ebbs and flows, yeah. at least as far as record sales go. That's the thing, because uh, one of the least popular albums would have been. Uh, in common common fandom is uh, Running With Scissors. It was delayed from release. Uh, the only single released was eBay uh, parodying uh, Backstreet Boys. This was not a big one, but I remember that was one of the first ones I bought. Like I got it and I loved it. And even his soft spots did that. And I remember the first time I watched like a behind the music thing, they're like, you really struggled after these three albums. I'm like, those three albums that I have loved my whole life? That was a struggle? <laughs> Polka Party is yep. the one that they often mention yep. is like when he thought his career was done. Over. I love Thank that you. album. Thank you. It's so good. Yeah. It's I, I want to say it's the first. Is it not the first album with what became later a staple on Weird Al's albums? The Polka. Polka on 45. Right. And that was, again, one of my favorites. And I really liked that he chose at that time songs that influenced him. And so you got to see classic rock songs from the 60s, songs from the 70s being incorporated into his polkas because this was like his formative polka and so i would sit there going like i've loved the doors neat and i remember connecting that way but then all of a sudden became the staple and even when you have tracks like uh running with scissors everyone goes oh but the polka it's really good like when he brings out chop suit it's really good yeah and i think that um just like you i heard weird owl play the rolling stones before i heard the actual rolling stones Right. Uh, and I think that's on the album after that, correct? Uh, yes, yes, it is. It's on, is it on UHF? Yep. Mm-hmm. It's on, I, I, I'm 85% certain. Yeah, that's correct. Yeah, that's correct. Yeah, because there's not a Polka parody on Even Worse, I no. don't think. Mm-mm. But no, I, I, I heard the Stone songs, and I would go research them based on Weird Al, not parodying them, but when he puts the, the Polka tracks together, he does his own, his own kind of spin. And yeah, it was, uh, it, yeah, I can't believe people give Polka Party shit. No, I can't either. And I have two things to say about the Polkas. And the first thing is that uh, I worked as a wedding DJ for a while. And I was, of I did, course you did. Of course <laughs> I did. And I did not keep up on contemporary music. Like people were like, play something new. And I'd be like, I haven't listened to a song that was made before, after 1886 or 1986. I'm all about the 80s and earlier. So they play something new. Who could I count on? Weird Al. I'd be like, all right, I was going to see the playlist from his latest polka. And I'd play the songs from his polka. And I seemed really cool. And it led to this issue where I'd be like, I could do the lyrics of a song up until it ended from his polka. But he also improved songs. That's the second thing is Wrecking Ball by Weird Al Yankovic polka version. I would listen to that whole song start to finish over and over and over. I can't stand Wrecking Ball <laughs> on its own. He fixes things. <laughs> he does. And that brings me to another interesting trivia fact I, uh, I found today. If you were to guess mm. percentage of songs that are parodies out of his entire library, what would you guess? 50%. Yeah, it's over, over, over I think, 55% are style parodies or mm-hmm. something completely different. Like uh, one of my favorite songs I'm going to mention today, Jackson Park Express. Uh. Oh, yes. It was so fun to see because a lot of people refer to Albuquerque as his magnum opus and often rightfully so. But Jack, to see him go back to a rambling original song because he did uh, Trapped in the Drive-Thru, which is already a parody of a song that is basically a parody accidentally. But now bringing Jackson Park Express back was amazing. 
Yeah, and the fact that he ended his last album with that song. Yeah. And everyone talks about all the parodies on on the, the most recent album, and I think they're all great. But when I got to Jackson Park Express, I almost saw it as a, a goodbye from him to the fans. Yeah. Like, okay, I'm going to give you guys something that you haven't heard in a long time and uh, and really bring it home. Another one I like on the previous album is uh, is Skipper Dan. Oh, my God. As, as, as the acting guy, that <laughs> song hit me so hard. And inspired me though, because like I like I have so many actor friends that have gone to Juilliard and are now working the Disney park. And I'm an eternal optimist. I'm like, isn't that wouldn't it be fun to work in Disney? They're like, you haven't worked in Disney yet. <laughs> and so like that made the rounds of the people he was singing about. It wasn't some. It was basically the Bruce Springsteen reaching out to the working class. He did that with the Juilliard students and acting students and theme park workers and actors. We connected over that song. And I used it as inspiration. I was like, you know what? Fine. I'm going to make sure I'm never Skipper Dan. I'm going to keep acting, but I will not let myself become Skipper Dan. He, he paints it, it. Have you ever heard it before? Mm-mm. Okay. You'll have to listen to it. But it's, he paints such a, such a miserable picture of like, oh, my God. I started in every high school play. I went to Juilliard, and now I'm running the fucking Jungle Ride and telling the same 12 jokes <laughs> oh, 17 times a day, or uh, probably 27 times a day if it's Weird Al. Exactly I don't know if 27 right. pops into that at <laughs> all, but uh, that's a common theme in his uh, in his songs. But when he does the originals, and I want to say the first style parody I ever heard him do was Twister on Even Worse, and it was the first time I felt like, as a kid, that's that's the Beastie Boys. I get this joke. I yeah. totally get this joke. Like that that is supposed to be the Beastie Boys. It took me a long time to realize that his stylistic parodies were actually styles of other artists. And I came to like those even more. Like one of my favorite stylistic parodies is uh, uh Craigslist. He got Ray Manzarek to actually do the keyboard, so this feels like a straight up doors song. You're back in the sixties. And I love that he takes it wasn't just contemporary stuff. He's like, I know Doors is, is an icon of rock. And he brought it back and then just perfectly parodies. I obsess over the Doors. I have Jim Morrison's poster over my bed still like I'm a 16-year-old girl of the 60s. <laughs> and I heard that song and went, this is the Doors encapsulated. And then it's hilarious. Oh, it's, I remember the first time I heard Spam. The, ah. the, the, as soon as he parodied R.E.M., in my mind, I was like, REM's made it now, man. They're not, they're not the little band from Athens anymore. Like, this is serious shit, man. Like, now something. And I think a lot of uh, – I heard a, a rumor that musicians say it's – I think it's Platinum Record, something else, and Weird Al Parody. Mm-hmm. If you get those three, you feel like you have made it in the music industry. And I think there's a lot to be said for that. My favorite story, and I tell a lot and it's probably heard already, but is when Weird Al was trying to parody Kurt Cobain for Smells Like Teen Spirit – and uh, he called him up, and Kurt Cobain's like, is this going to be like a parody about food? And Weird Al be like, no, it's about how no one can understand your lyrics. He's like, that's fair. And then Dave Grohl tells the story. He's like, and then Kurt hung up the phone and went, we've made it. Weird Al's parodying us. I, and I love that. And Kurt wouldn't call Al back. Al happened to know Victoria Jackson uh, from UHF. Victoria Jackson was in the hallway before SNL with Nirvana. She passed Cobain the phone. That's when they talked. Yes. Um, and that's how it all happened. Because Al tries, one thing Al tries to do, and he does not have to. He doesn't have to. Correct. He gets permission from every single artist to to do a parody. Of course, I think if he doesn't get permission, either way, he has to pay royalties if he yeah. releases it. But he always gets permission. One time that didn't go so well, 
is one of my and they've made up sense, but mm-hmm. fuck Coolio because yeah. that's Gangster's Paradise isn't even his fucking song. No. It's um hang on, I had to write it down. It's Stevie Wonder. Yes. And it's also called Paradise, but it's like um Pastime Paradise. Yes. It's the same beat. It's the only difference is Stevie is singing over Coolio rapping about a Michelle Pfeiffer movie. And Weird Al got permission. Mm-hmm. I, I fully believe that he did, but Coolio was a salty dick about it. Well, and we've seen Weird Al, when he gets declined, drop great songs. Even at the last minute, he uh, didn't get to do I'm Pitiful off of James Blunt's I'm Beautiful. And that was a Columbia Records issue, not even a James Blunt issue. And he still dropped it, released it for free, but dropped it. And so I believe him entirely. And I have always judged. Like, I remember what a, how hard it was to wrestle with the fact that Prince said no to Weird Al. And I was like, oh, Prince, but you were perfect. No one's perfect, and you proved it. And I remember, so I judge every musical artist by who has said yes to Weird Al and who said no. Anyone who can't understand that Weird Al is an homage, is a, is a dedication, is something very flattering and not an insult to your music, I, I don't relate to anymore. Prince only agreed to let him use the bathtub image from Purple Rain in, was it UHF? Or something, some video. Al, yeah, it was, it was Al TV. And I, I can't remember how Weird Al pulled it off, but... He wanted to do something, and Prince was like, okay, that's okay. But uh, Al still has a note from mm. Prince from the one of the Grammy years that says, please do not approach me. Please do not look me in the eyes. I do not want anything to do with you. So Prince was obvi- – and you know what? I love Prince to death, but I come do. on, man. I've heard Prince is a dick, though. Kevin Smith tells stories about how big of a dick Prince was. So, yeah. and, and rightfully so. You know, I guess if, you, if you're the best guitar player that ever lived and also one of the best songwriters and you can last 25 years like Weird Al, yeah. maybe you can be a dick. But Al wasn't a dick. Yeah. And still gets permission. Yeah. Uh, you're pitiful. And then Eminem wouldn't let him do the video for Couch Potato. I know. And last minute. I'm always tired of that last minute Last minute, yep. And And, and it, cause it, what they don't realize is it affected his career. All of a sudden, his single video, his the video for this single of this album, he had to just drop, and that that that's frustrating because he is so respectful unnecessarily that when decline early, be like Prince at least, where you're like, no, just don't even work on this. But instead, there's guys like Eminem who came later, like, nah, I'm not comfortable anymore with this elements. Shut up. I'm pretty sure though, isn't that the same album as White and Nerdy, and that's yeah. what they ended up going with? Uh, no. Oh, is it not? No, yeah. I think uh, Couch Potato was Poodle Hat. Okay. It? And I believe White and Nerdy came out next. Because I remember no one, for whatever reason, when Couch Potato came out, went, hey, Weird Al can rap. It wasn't until White and Nerdy came out next that they were like, holy moly, Weird Al can rap. And I remember that was like, for anyone that criticized him, the last check mark. Because like, he can do country, he can do, you name it, he can do new wave, he can do rock, he can do everything. And now he can rap. There's nothing Weird Al can't do. And uh, another artist that turned him down, I, I just learned this today. Originally, he wanted One More Minute, which is one of my, I mean, that is my breakup <laughs> song. When I go through a breakup, One More Minute gets played. And I still sing it in my head when I think about a lot of girls I've dated. Yeah, and you're out there, too. So, <laughs> But he wanted to duet that with Frank Sinatra. And Sinatra was like, no, no, no way I'm singing with Weird Al. And I lost a little respect for Sinatra, too. I'm like, come on, Frank. Like... When, when Weird Al asks you, you answer positively. You answer positively. Well, that's the thing. He's just he's just making good light in the world. Like, it's like Mark Knopfler played with him. I thought that was great. Oh, my God. Uh, yes. Again, when Ray Manzarek joined him. Ray Manzarek is a music legend to me, like a living, breathing legend of music. And so to hear him back at the keyboards, even for a goofy song, was amazing. But you'll hear him talk about it. He's like, this was, he's a professional. He knows what he's doing. I had a great time working with him. It was low stress. It was fun. 
that's the experience that musicians, that living legends speak of with Weird Al. So yeah, anytime, every time, there's no musician good enough where I'm like, ah, I'll let it pass. I'm like, dick. You dick. You treat Weird Al right. Knopfler is one of my favorite stories. Al, uh, Al called him up and was like, I want to do a parody of Money for Nothing by Dire Straits. And Knopfler was like, okay, you can do it, but I have to play have lead to. guitar. And, and Al was like, well, okay. <laughs> Twist my arm, why don't you? Which which is awesome. And, it, and when you listen to that track, um, I thought Al played it. That, I, I swear to God. Well, no, nothing against Mark Knopfler, no. but... Well, and let's and that's the thing. And let's talk about the band that has been behind Rail this whole time. Jim West proves that he's one of the greatest guitarists of all time by doing any guitar lick perfectly and including some original stuff. Same with this whole backing band. Everybody, top to bottom, is good, but I love Jim West and his ability to mimic anything. Like, I even remember, what was it? Uh, Canadian Idiot came out, and I was like, he's doing Billy Joe. How does, how does he do this? He can do so many things. But it comes down to, again, when he talks, he goes, it's, that's Al Yankovic sitting in a booth with us, not letting us stop until it's perfect. I've heard Al's the, the nicest perfectionist. Exactly. Ever. That's exactly right. <laughs> but, I mean, there's such so much to be said for the studio and the work that you can do there, but they translate all of that live. I know you've seen Al live before. I actually got to see him last year. It was one of the best concerts I've ever seen. But, yeah, they bring all that to the stage. So, yeah, you can polish a little bit in the studio. There's a lot of talent there. And it, I, to your point, too, he's had that band since 1982, the yeah. same three dudes. It started with uh, – John Bermuda Schwartz was a drummer. That's right. Al came into the studio and he's like, "Hey, if you're gonna play, you you want to beat on your drum just uh, and beat on, on the accordion things. kit. Yeah, you want to beat on the accordion <laughs> kit." And he's been Al's drummer ever since then. That that says a lot to Al's loyalty. Well, you look at Penn and Teller, and they do not hang out. Like they talk all the time. They're like, "We we work together, so we can't hang out together. We can't just be friends because we see too much of each other." That doesn't happen with Al's band. They hang out. You see them every time they're out. They're friends. They're doing things. They hang out with each other. They know each other's families. And that is saying something. A man who is not burnt out. Like, they were together longer than any one of them have been married. Right. These band members. They've made lifelong commitments. These are heterosexual bromates. <laughs> and that's amazing. Yeah. I. If he ever goes to tour again, I'd be tempted to do, like, a city-to-city I you know if I would do it for one person it would be him because it would be interesting to see what changes city to city even but he was the second concert I saw was Weird Al and it broke me for concerts for a while because all of a sudden I'd be at other concerts be like why am I sitting here and nothing's happening that doesn't happen at a Weird Al concert there's always a video playing there's new material that's only for this tour playing there's costumes there's changes there's performances there's bits and skits and new uh, medleys. You never are bored at a Weird Al concert. And I remember the next time I was sitting, I was like, it's been like 20 minutes. What are they doing? Well, apparently they're breaking down the drum set and they just don't entertain me while they're doing that at this concert. <laughs> and that drove me nuts for the longest time. I didn't know that that wasn't the rule. Weird Al made that the rule to me. And it makes him, again, the greatest live performer. I will call him the greatest lots of things because that's what he is. No, and um, you got to see him at BlizzCon, right? BlizzCon last year, yeah. Blizzard always does an amazing job um, picking acts this year. It's Muse. Um, but I was, like I said, even though I don't know too much about Weird Al, when I found out he was the the um, the closing show for BlizzCon, I was very excited because I had heard how excellent of a performance it was. And, oh, man, it was really good. I don't know how, at his age, he has the energy Oh man. I was just getting tired just watching him. Like 
And I mean, he, he does that and I imagine he doesn't miss a beat. And you're right. I love the songs that you only get to see live, like chicken pot pie. Yes. <laughs> well, and I love that they pay attention to little things. Like everything is a joke. And that's what makes Weird Al work is he doesn't go, okay, it's funny enough. He goes, what can make this funnier? And I love that when he comes out for fat in his fat suit and he jumps on the stage, every bandmate two seconds later jumps like there's this reverberation from him. And that's just a clever, funny thing that not everyone even notices, but those who do. I laughed so hard watching each time he jumped. Boom, boom, there was a secondary secondary rift. And they work so hard for those little details. Yeah, it's. Uh, I, hope, I hope he tours again. I don't think he will because he even sent a message to Blake on Facebook. Hey, Colorado, I might not be <laughs> back for a long time. So, And there's still tickets available. Come out. Yeah. And as soon as I saw that, I, I bought tickets that day. I was like, I can't believe I've, this has flown under my radar. Worth worth it. And if I get to see him again, I uh, got it'll be a treat. It's yeah, that's the thing. I hope so. And that's the thing, like he maintains that energy because I was really pleasantly surprised to see how introverted and relaxed he was when he's not wearing the weird owl persona. Like it's still there. That energy's there, that humor's there, but he was chilled out, relaxed, just taking life as it goes. Just like he looked like a guy who would be as just happy on a back porch in the middle of Montana as he would in the middle of a crowd of people. And so he's, he's pacing himself. So I'll, I think he's got it in him still. So do you only know the long, curly-haired Weird Al with no glasses? Yeah. Okay. You know there's another pre-LASIK uh, curls on top Weird Al. I did not know that, actually. <laughs> the fro. Yeah. That's fascinating. When did, he drop the, when did he drop that Weird Al? Was it, it's post-UHF, right? Yeah. Because he's, he's that Al in UHF. Mm-hmm. And then when does he come... When does he get the LASIK? Again, I, I'm 80% sure it was Running With Scissors. Okay. Uh, where that was the first one, because I remember the Al TV he did before that, he made lots of jokes in that, even in his fake interviews, about his new look and how people weren't recognizing him. Uh, and even for me, like, I remember that it was weird to see him as Obi-Wan Kenobi with his hair shorn. That was that really threw me. All of a sudden, I was like, this is not, this is nothing that I know. But, uh... But yeah, no, the adjustment from mustache to no mustache was weird because my dad always had a mustache and Weird Al had a mustache. So that meant all men I respected had mustaches. <laughs> and all of a sudden, half of the men I respected didn't have mustaches anymore. I didn't know what to do with myself. Yeah, I, I like I like both. Uh, I like both looks. Yeah. Uh, I, I I think, I mean, shit, he looked great when we just saw him. Yeah. He doesn't age. And no. I didn't even want to look up his age because I didn't want to be sad, but he's got to be at least 55, correct? 50, yeah, early 50s. I do the same thing. I nebulously avoid it, but I remember it's just over his 50s and and still looking great. Uh, Vegetarian since, uh, I think, 2002, right about the time he got engaged. His, yeah. his wife was like, you know, hey, you can't really just eat Twinkies and Twizzlers all day long. You might have to. And now, yeah, he's been a vegetarian since then, so that's got to be... Uh, no more Twinkie wiener sandwiches. <laughs> I should have made Twinkie wiener sandwiches. That would have been great. I would have loved you even more. I didn't think it would have been possible. I, I will make you. I've never made one before, but uh, uh yeah, I, that's got to be easy to do, yeah. right? Just cook oh, yeah. some hot dogs and split a Twinkie in half, and that's the bun. Yum. Exactly. Cheese whiz for days. No, but uh, but that's the thing. Like Everything about Weird Al, because there's a lot of talk about his weird persona versus himself, and there's it's way more mesh than I think a lot of people will give credit to once they see these two different versions of him, because this is a guy whose weird persona likes bowling. He loves bowling. And simple things like it was not Weird Al's persona to start wearing Hawaiian shirts. It was when he started getting big where he was like, hey, I've heard that people get to make weird requests in their contracts for appearances. And his venue appearance request was, I want a tropical shirt every stop. That location has to provide a tropical shirt. 
And that's what happened. And he was like, what? They listen. So he went, came away from like this hundred and plus stop tour with all these tropical shirts. And he talks about how his wife finally talked him into giving like half of them away. And I was like, no, and he's like, no, I have more than I'll ever wear. Still so many tropical shirts, but that's again, this is, this is the introvert. This is the normal neutral guy making those kind of requests. So weird Al and Al Yankovic are very much one in one. I think so too. And uh, I, I mean, there's like, there's a calm side to him, yeah. obviously, but you can still see now, even when he, uh, when he does interviews and things like that, he's a little bit more subdued, but yeah. I think his personality now fits 2017. And I think screaming into the camera that mm-hmm. fit the 1980s. That's, yeah. that's what he needed to be back then. Look at a, look at an eighties trailer for a movie and compared to the eighties trailers or the trailers we have now. I mean, back in the days it was like, it's time to rock and roll again. The sequel has arrived. Explosions, gunfire. And now it's like, even if it's an action movie, it's like, boom, yep. slow pan. So yeah, I totally agree. We're in a different age. And he just, he adapts. He knows what he's doing. He does. Um, and I, again, I cannot think of another artist that will ever accomplish what he has accomplished. And he even jokes about it that... Uh, you know, almost I think every record's gone gold. He's a multi, multi Grammy award winner. What else can Weird Al do? That's the thing. Except except another movie, Al. Yes. Oh, my gosh. We're waiting. I would love to see his commentary on technology because UHF was so topical to the time. And it, may, it still remains funny, but boy, did it mean something when it came out. Now we have a million venues of media. What's his version of UHF in 2017? Oh my god, dude! We need to pitch this to I, him. I, I, I'm I, sure I, I'm he's been pitched it. it though. It's the thing he knows, and that's the thing. That's what, my favorite thing he said is like, the one thing I would ask all fans of mine, if I could ask one favor, is don't tell me your parody song, because I've already got too many voices in my head telling me parodies, and I don't need more. And I thought it was a very polite way because this is a poor guy that I'm sure he can't go shopping without some schmo coming up like, "Hey, you heard the new Lord song? I got a parody idea. You should run with it. It's really funny. It's got a guy." So, so I really think the movie, a movie would be a great place to be, even if it was just from the production chair, even if you found like Jordan Peele and, uh, the guy from, uh, community to be in his movie for him and produced it and wrote it something that genius needs to keep going. It was interesting to see old school key and Peele today in the white and nerdy video. It's like, wow, that's way before they were, they were, they were key and Peele. I mean, obviously they were still key and Peele, but that's way before the show. That's way before anything. Yeah. No, I remember I saw it when it came out, and then it was later I was watching Key and Peele, and they're like, they appeared in the Weird Al video. And I was like, wait, when? I know these videos. And I went back, I was like, oh, there they are. Yeah, and I thought, uh, just very interesting that he is a director now, too. Mm-hmm. He did not direct UHF, I'm pretty sure. Uh, didn't uh, his, his manager, Jay Levy? I believe so, yeah. Directed it because he, uh, he helped him write it, too. Yeah. But I think Al has the... You know, not that he didn't have the chops before, but I can't believe that in 2017, UHF came out in what, 1986 or 87? 87. 87? That's what I want to say. It was up. It was like the biggest summer of movies ever. It was like, or was it 89? Might have been. I'm looking it up. It's 89 because it's Batman. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. Yeah, 89. That's exactly right. Lethal Weapon 2. Wow. Uh, there, there's like five more I'm not even yeah. thinking of. But when it came out, it just it, it well, the critics buried. hated it. The critics fucking hated it. Of course they did. Because it was different. Because what he does is different. It's so funny, and it's one of those movies like I'll pick up jokes 
on my 20th viewing and be like, I never noticed that before. That's exactly right. And, and, and it, but it's also smart. Again, that's why I, uh, not be able to give him credit for the, his intelligence, especially in his humor. And that it's that smart humor that sometimes goes under the radar that you come back later and like, Whoa, that was, that was clever. But his, philosophies on interpersonal relationships in that film on technology on what media does to us like i could write papers on the boring stuff and it would be really interesting i think let alone his humor i love the film and if you haven't seen it you have to watch it i know i need we'll to make it a viewing party okay. uh, we, we we have to watch uh we have to watch uhf because i don't think it gets enough love and i think it's a movie now i think the jokes in uhf were way ahead of their time yeah look at the supplies gag exactly right how many times like i mean family guys done that i want to yeah. say the simpsons have probably mm-hmm. learned a little bit from uh from al and the way that he uh he constructs a joke so he has to have been asked oh, yeah. to do another film i just think he doesn't want to and like you said i think he's a family man he cares he's loving about his family and i think if he gets the option to hang out with his daughter some and go hang around you know lovely california or spend seven to eight months in production three months pre-production three months post-production, I think he's like, mm, I'm going to hang out with my kids some. Because he's, he's a family man. And it was it showed with his parents and it's showing with his family he has now. But all right, so I got to ask, because this is a big love fest, as it should be. Worst Weird Al song. Like, if you had to pick one, you're like, ah, that's the one I skip if it comes on Spotify. What is it? I'm not a big fan of Like a Surgeon, believe it or not. And I also really don't like, uh, you know what? I'm not going to take yours because I think I know what you're going to pick. But uh, 